episode of the NRL All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back for Supercoach episode round 11 TLT. Host Magic Round. A little bit of a letdown, probably a long hangover for a few people. Great <laughs> round of footy, great round of Supercoach. And we've got TLT for round 11 to discuss now. Back to normal after Magic Round, or is it? We'll wait and see. But for this episode, very pleased to have a special guest, Kane Anderson, Dr. Kando. He is on everything now these days. Jeez, he is the um, NRL Supercoach Podmasters Cup administrator, the the page on Facebook and everything that has all of the podcasters and all the content creators together on one page, which is great. Fantastic initiative from Kane for the Podmasters page, but also Supercoach Hub as well. And also, Kane, even on the live show now, with Sangster every now and then and stuff. So, geez, you've been rising fast up the Supercoach rankings in the Supercoach world, haven't you? Uh, I don't like to think of it as rising up the ranks so much. It's just I'm, I'm around a lot on in the Supercoach community and just pop up when I'm needed sort of thing. So, yeah, I got the call up from Sangster in pre-season this year and got the opportunity to jump on a couple of pods and I did an article for the hub that uh, Sangster was able to publish through Daily Telly, which is pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, it's always fun to talk super coach and anyone that wants to chat with me i'm here <laughs> awesome mate well i've been loving your uh content everywhere chatting to you about super coach and also seeing you up there with sangster is fantastic it's good to see some of the content creators uh get a start on the on the daily telegraph live show and the official podcast and show and stuff and like obviously uh brandon savage and, and past winner tim moody too but he won um but Guys like Sam's and yourself getting on there and, and getting your stuff up there is great to see. So it's, it's always nice to see them use some of the content creators that are out there because I think they all, uh, everyone creates some great stuff for Supercoach and does a lot for the community like yourself. Yeah, it's pretty surreal actually being in the studio there and watching how the boys go about their, their afternoon when team lists drop and seeing how it all is pretty rapid fire and how they're all typing everything up quickly and you hear people kind of yelling out headlines over their little cubicles to each other. It was yeah, really interesting. And um, then going into the actual studio and sitting at the panel desk and trying to get a feel for that for the first visit was pretty strange. You're looking at yourself on the screens in front of you and whatever, but yeah, it, it's pretty fun. Well, I would, I would imagine it's very fun. I reckon it's great. But what we are looking at today, it is super coach. We've got our, Talking footy episode that'll be up on Thursday as well, which will talk everything rugby league. Great guest on that one that's appeared once or twice before that I'm heaps keen to talk to. He is a South fan, to give you a bit of a hint. And for this episode, we're going to do our uh, Clint Eastwood segment, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, brief round 10 review. Really good strategy chat today as well. Uh, Big balls plays. Is it worth doing? Should you be doing it? How do you do it? We're going to talk that. Market watch round 11. And then the round 11 machine gun rapid fire preview. Big podcast for Supercoach, big week for Supercoach. Before we get stuck into it, I do need to quickly mention the fantastic new partner for the All-Stars podcast in Picklebet, picklebet.com. Go jump on there and take a look. They're a fantastic betting agency in Australia. Great to bet with on Rugby League. They've got fantastic odds. They are newer to the market, but they've got some great odds and much better odds than a lot of the big fellas have in the betting world. So I urge you to go and jump on Picklebet and have a look. 
If you do, you can create an account and use the referral code from this podcast. Your referral code is just all stars, all one word, all stars. Sign up, put that referral code in when you sign up and they'll make sure that they take great care of you because they'll see straight away, oh, this is an NRL All-Stars listener. We'll take care of this account, and you'll be in business with Picklebet to put some great bets on. But NRL-wise, I'll be doing a bet of the week multi each week with Picklebet that'll be on there under the specials. So if you go on the specials right now and go on to this week's specials, you'll see an All-Stars special multi, and that multi is $3.85, which I'm all over, for the South Sydney Rabbitohs to beat the Tigers 13-plus and Alex Johnston to score two tries any time in the match. Absolutely love it. Almost $4 in value. You can go in there right now and jump on the All-Stars multi of the week, uh, and I'm all over that one, and I reckon it's a, it's a good one for value at almost 4 bucks. So picklebet.com, go jump on them today. Use referral code ALLSTARS, and they'll take great care of you as a listener from the podcast. Make sure you think, is this a bet you really want to place? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Kane, round 10 in the rearview, magic round. The Clint Eastwood segment, the good, the bad, the ugly. Why don't you take us away? The good, what was the good in your team this week? Considering I did have Hines as captain, I actually had a pretty good week. I scored 1265, I think it was, from the top of my head. And the, the good... Two good things that I had for the week was I finally sold Cameron Murray and using Schuster, I bought Dylan Brown. So just that one trade in itself, what was it, like a 80-point difference or something between the two of them. So that was a good win. And another one was I'd been trying to sell Reese Walsh for quite a few weeks and then it got to last week and he had a good matchup. So despite the high break-even, I did hold on to Walsh basically expecting him to score a, a ton. He got close, but not quite. Uh, based on points over cash for last week, and that paid off relatively well. does mean that I do still have that same dilemma for this week of whether to keep or sell, but, yeah, we'll get to that. Nice. Well, I had a reasonable week as well, actually, for a change, which was uh, good to see, despite the fact that I made some uh, a big error which uh, I'm going to get to soon. But my good, let's start off with the positive. Mike Acevo, 124 points, top scorer of the round. Actually had him in my team. And nice. he's only owned by 3% of coaches. So that's a big win. I, I brought him in five weeks ago when the draw started to open up for the Eels, thinking that I could get some value out of him. He was only 520-odd thousand. And I was hoping for like a 65 to 70 average over a period and some buy cover. Uh, he's managed to score in the last five weeks and I've had him almost 74 points a game and it was really topped off with that 124. So getting that 124 this week, that's exactly why I had Sevo. I'm glad that that was a bit of a risky one that, that paid off for me. Uh, but there was certainly some bad. And uh, what was your bad one for this week, Kendo? Yeah, obviously, Nico Hines as captain. To be honest, though, I'd never really considered anything else. So... I had Reese Walsh as my vice captain because I needed someone early in the week. He got his 90 odd and it was just not, not even on the radar that I would loop anything like that. Even if he got 130, I would have been, uh, maybe not because it seemed like a decent matchup for Nico and he gets 80 points without doing anything most weeks. But anyway, the Dolphins shut him down and he got a, a 40 as my captain, which most people would have been in the same situation. So it wasn't too devastating 
But uh, another one that hurt a little bit was uh, Jackson Ford, not just for last week, but for going forward. Uh, 44, I think he ended up with. He only played 50-odd minutes and had a sin bin in there. So he was chugging along really well. And uh, that sin bin obviously knocked it out a little bit and then having a failed HIA while he was in the sin bin kind of topped that off even further. And now he's missing this week and has a buy the following week. So I miss him for the next two games, which is unfortunate. Uh, a lot of people are kind of discussing whether he's a sell at the moment as well, but I, I'll be probably holding on to him as a round 13 number. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about him because he's going to appear in Market Watch for sure. Yep, definitely. For me, I, I could say Hines too, but I think, like you mentioned, everybody could just about. He was heavily, heavily captain, especially in that top, well, even the top like 5%, the majority of people captain him. So not really that big a deal. Uh, but certainly all, my front row forward rotation, that was bad this week. I'm, I'm rotating Welsh and TPJ. And I tell you what, like Welsh, I've, I've whinged about and whinged about all year. And it just, it can't stop because Welsh, you want me to stop whinging about you? You've got to do something, mate. 35 points. Like we joke about how he's super consistent at being mediocre between 50 and 55 points every week without fail. And he throws up a 35. He's just such a, such a sell. But like, like a lot of teams, I'm just one of those teams that would have sold in the last sort of six weeks, but it's just, a low priority. Yep. And then TPJ, who I throw in just to try and get some spice in there and, and think that he can, you know, have a 65, 70-point game with a heap of offloads. 38 points, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's him because he was my second starter in my front row forward spot next to Horsburgh. Yep. And, geez, TPJ. He started off so well, he really teased me. He had, like, some really good runs to start with, some early tackle breaks and offload. He looked good. I think he was on like oh, 25 points after 15 minutes. And I was like, yeah, this is the game I was after. Of course, he goes for a HIA and that throws 15 minutes out of him. And then they waited an extra five odd minutes and then he ends up back on with like four minutes to go or something. It was just a killer. It, it was shaping up as a good one, but it, it really hurt me. It was pretty bad. Um, but certainly the ugly is real ugly. I'll just throw mine out there first, Kendo, because you're, you're not going to be able to follow it up. There's no way. I I did end up going through with the Mitchell Moses uh, Nathan Theory trade. Um, I spoke about it on the podcast last week, and I will point out to everyone that I said, it's very risky. <laughs> no, if you're going to do it, it's super risky. And that's why I was not 100% on doing it at all last week, and I was still umming and ahhing even after the podcast was recorded on whether I pulled the trigger. Um, I needed to catch up a bit, and I was looking at some of my head-to-heads and stuff as well, and I went, you know what, this could really catch me up. And the main thing was as well, I was doing trades, and the thing that tipped me over the line too is the fact that, geez, it was going to be cash generation as well as everything else. And I couldn't really afford last week, and I'm looking ahead going, I can't really afford it much at all when the week's going forward to get like a, a bottom dollar guy like a Bula or something and, and get real cash generation in there. But I didn't need a little bit of cash generation. So the fact that that Moses trade freed up 200K and then was going to generate at least 100K in a week, I thought, then, you know, that that actually made me bite the bullet and go for it. So obviously Moses got his 17 points. And I was joking with a couple of people that it's, it's Barnsley's kiss of death in 2023 when I make these moves. The, the guy just gets HIA'd, hurt or something because how unlucky. Like aside from the fact that you know, I could probably just copy him score and 
he scored 17 points, but obviously missed the, the the last quarter of the match. You know, I could cop him scoring 25, 30 points or whatever, even though Cleary went off. But to not have him next week as well, Kane, that's just such a kick in the teeth. That's that's the biggest killer. That is the biggest killer of it all. Oh, yeah, that's that's rough. Having having done that trade, like I all last week was hearing people talking about it, and I, I just couldn't even consider it just because Cleary's Cleary and I've seen so many people be stung by Moses before. I've, I don't know that I've actually ever owned him in classic before. And it's purely because of that big up and down that he can have. And I just get too scared of the downs to do moves like that. So I managed to not do that. But yeah, the fact that he's gone next week, it's, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, he's actually, look, the last couple of years, he's gone well to be a lot more consistent. It's one of the things that made him a much better um, buy cover guy last year because his consistency went up a lot where he didn't have a heap of lower scores. And uh, he actually was edging towards the consistency of Cleary when you were sort of looking at 50-plus type of scores. But he just, it's just yep. unlucky. You know, he, he didn't play the last 10 minutes or whatever it was. And look, the Eels obviously didn't play that well either uh, against the Titans, like I think we hoped for. It's uh, it's one of those things. So yeah, I just thought that I was going to sell Cleary for the buy period anyway, because I had to. And that was the other thing. He was obviously going to drop cash. I have to say, like a, a bit of a segue here in our chat, but... I was watching that Penrith game and I have to say I'd had half a dozen beers by that point. So I'm fully aware that I may have been missing a lot of things when I was watching. I didn't see how Nathan Cleary scored 120 points. Like I always, you know, you're probably the same as me. You kind of get frustrated sometimes when you see posts and it's like, oh, how did so-and-so score these points? And it's like, well, they made a couple of line breaks. I saw six offloads. Like, you know, it's pretty easy. Yeah. With Cleary, I was actually one of those guys came where I was like, how did he score that? Yeah. How did he get 120? I feel the same. I don't don't think he did a whole lot. Um, I think the assists that he got probably weren't all that really obvious either. Um, but he ran the ball a lot. He did run the ball a lot last week, which I haven't looked at the breakdown of his um points or anything like that to see how much came from tackle busts and runs. But he, he did seem busy in that regard. He also did have his goal kicking back, which helps. But, yeah, I, I didn't see it as a 120-point performance, that's for sure. The same for Hines, though. Hines will do almost nothing, and then you look at the score and it, it's 120. Yeah, I clearly had three offloads, and, you know, I thought that he'd end up going okay because he had the, a few offloads and a few tackle breaks. Yep. But the thing that saved me, like when I was watching it live, I'm looking at my stats on my phone and admittedly that they're NRL stats because that's just the app that I had open and stuff, looking at the team stats too and everything. And it's like, oh, he's, he's missed like nine tackles. So like he's missed nine tackles. He's only been credited with a line break assist and that's it. I know in super coach he might end up, you know, getting one try assist maybe because that's happening. But well, you know, it's not going to be too bad. I looked at the score and almost fell off my chair. I changed from beer to Jack Daniels after that game. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> fair enough. Oh, oh, I was always worried about. Look, we'll move on. I was always worried about the Warriors matchup, and I said that last week. It's um, it's really hard that he's playing the Warriors. Uh, I just because the Eels have played the Titans, I was hoping that was going to counter it. But I was always scared and thought that it could happen against the Warriors. Um, I'm a lot more comfortable this next couple of weeks before the buy rounds hit. Yeah, um, but for you, was there something real ugly in your team that just really stunk it up this week? Nothing super bad in my team. Like Hines was my lowest scorer in my seventeen. My worst thing with my team at the moment is just how crappy my bench is going. 
with Sonny Luke, Pele, Murdoch Masilla. I got Oluwapu early last week as well because I needed a cash gen situation. And I was expecting that for this week he would get a start, but he didn't have the best time on field last week. So it's probably slowed him down from getting that start. I kind of felt like he was going to be a guy that everyone's going to want at some point. So he was a better option than going early on a um, FIA guy or I didn't like the peachy thing because he could lose his spot at any moment. And, you know, I'm just not a big fan of the peach. But, um, yeah, it's mostly just the benches stinking it up. So I need to kind of work on my depth a little bit, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of teams out there and you see it in your head-to-heads that are really running on fumes uh, that are starting guys that you don't really want to be starting, but also some 17s that are pretty strong that I've played. And I've sort of looked past the 17 and gone, geez, if you had anyone here, you're in big trouble. Definitely. Um, So I I think that's, that's a way that teams can maybe catch up going forward. Uh, I think it's, especially over this origin period when you're going to get some um, late sit outs and stuff, uh, it could really play some havoc, but let's have a quick brief look at the scoring for the, for the magic round. Uh, look, it was, I think it started off really well, Kane. And I think that people thought, oh, this is going to be a good round. I was pumped for it. I thought we we're going to get a lot of big super coach scores. And it started off that way. And then it really petered out, didn't it, because of the rain. Like that last couple of days of rain. And I had to laugh as well because Marty Lang on Twitter, uh, the great Queensland prop, Penrith prop, was whinging a little bit about people saying that you know, should should it leave Brisbane? And his key, one of his key points was, you're guaranteed good weather. And he said it right before it started pouring down rain. And I was like, Marty, what are you talking about, mate? You, you're never guaranteed good weather. My roosters just got absolutely drenched. Yeah, I, the rain actually was probably part of my ugly that I forgot about because I have Tedesco. And I watched the game before theirs, which was beautiful, sunny, warm, and I'm just rubbing my hands together. Oh, here we go. Tedesco is going to have a nice... Fast track, he's going to go and finally get that breakout score, blah, 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 whatever. And they cut to them running onto the field and it is pouring down and my head just sank. I was like, oh, no, this is devastating. This is just going to completely muffle everything that I want him to do. He's a guy that needs to be able to change direction and you're not able to do that when you're slipping and sliding everywhere. Yeah, and that last day of games, like you had the Tigers go 18-16 in a low scorer. Um, although the yep. weather hadn't turned just yet. And then the 20 to 6 win for the Cowboys over the Roosters, it was it was, it was not good conditions. And like really the Roosters have been cruel the last couple of weeks. Like their attack's been bad anyway. I'm not making excuses for their attack, but it's just been horrendous conditions two weeks in a row. So it really cruels owners. Like I've got Teddy as well, and I've got Manu who actually went all right. Um, but then the Gold Coast game too, like they were still pretty wet and the field just looked awful, didn't it? Like even though it didn't pour for the Gold Coast game. The field was horrendous just because that rain had just absolutely killed it in that Roosters game. Yeah, yeah, it got all chopped up everywhere. It was looking fairly average. Because of that, we only had uh, 900 plus scores. And actually, half of those were between 100 and 106. So, Mike Acebo was obviously the big one at 124. Dylan Edwards, I want to focus on though. We already spoke about Cleary. He was the third biggest score at 120. Dylan Edwards, 122 points. And he's now almost $800,000. Now, it really is one of the differences this season. And every season, Supercoach obviously throws up some curveballs. But this season is one where the fullback theory, strategy, 
or facts of the last few years where you only had your, your few elite fullbacks and you just went with them. It's fallen apart now. And someone like Dylan Edwards, in prior years, you would have got burnt by going him because the other big fullbacks would have outscored him, even though he played well. This year, he's actually got two monster scores now out of his nine games. Like, he's got 122 points last round against the Warriors, and then he's got 163 points in round six versus Manly. And aside from that as well, he's got nothing below a 42, and he's now averaging a very nice 78.4 points for the season. So, you know, the 6 for 7 team that have Dylan Edwards pretty under the radar, would have been really happy this week. And he's been uh, probably more of an option than he ever has been before and had the second best score this round. Yeah, the fullback position really has taken a nosedive this year, which still surprised me. I I still look at my team and go, oh, I can't go and do that trade because I need to have two fullback guns. But it's just kind of a built-in response. Now it's probably not necessary. You could probably do just as well getting a a gun center winger like like your Sibo that you have and get just as good a scores out of that and use your fullback for your bullard cash generation or whatever else. So yeah, I'm, I am finding it hard to kind of break that psyche. I'm kind of stuck on the, I have to have two people there, but um, yeah. Anyway, at the moment I've still got two fullbacks there and I don't know what to do with them. So <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> well, Tomoko was uh, four, and he scored 119 points and made 84k just in that round. So he he's got great guns at the moment as well. Um, obviously, Dylan Brown back to back weeks of almost identical scores, 116 this week. Talakai and Teague Wilton, pretty amazing. Like I'll, I'll give you a chance just to grin about your Dolphins here. Like what a win from the Dolphins. What a first half performance in particular. But somehow Sifa Talakai still got 106, and Teague Wilton, Wilton still got 102. I don't know how the Sharks ended up with two top scorers in the top seven. It was a crazy game. I, I just remember watching that game and seeing another try and another try. And every time there's a try, I'm just like, wait, is this actually happening? This is crazy. I was not even expecting us to win the game, let alone to be up 24 nil or whatever it was in the first 20 minutes. It was just ridiculous. They were playing really, really good footy. And it's it wasn't crazy out there attack. It was just playing percentages and, oh, there's an opportunity. We're going to take it. And they just took it every time. Um, yeah, super stoked with how they're playing. It's all, all preseason. All I wanted to see was them to fight. I didn't want to, didn't mind if we lost. I just wanted to see them put in some efforts and to see that a team that doesn't have the marquee stars and whatever, which everyone was saying you had to have, to see a team like this putting out performances where they're all working together. It's a together team. You can see. Like with your roosters, you've got so many stars in the in the team, but they don't seem to be able to connect with each other very well. Then you come to the Dolphins who don't have all those big names and they're all just connecting. And it's just, you can see how big a difference it makes when everyone's all on the same page. But um, yeah, really happy with how they're going and um, happy for them to have a bye this week and get another two points and stay up in that, around that top four area, which is crazy. Yeah, they did really well on the weekend. I didn't expect them to go anywhere near the Sharks and um, that's that made it all Queensland teams winning after the Titans beat the Eels too. Yep. Uh, last stat for this round that I'll just throw out there. Uh, even though we didn't have as many big scores, we only had we had three in the 120s and not as many as previous weeks in the 100-plus range. We had 35 75-pluses 
and that's getting towards like to me 75 plus is like your big score your, your 60 to sort of 70 is like a, a good score gunnish type of score 75 plus are your, your uh, big scores 35 of them and that's pretty good when you're looking at other rounds and it sort of has been for a few weeks i think that we've rounded into uh some better scoring than what we saw the first month of footy uh, it's kind of normalised. There's a lot of guys getting that 75 plus now, which is good to see. But Kane, we need to go into a strategy chat before we talk about Market Watch. Mm-hmm. This strategy chat for this week, we're going to talk about big balls plays, and there's a good time to do it for a few reasons. And we've got a good time to do it. Don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying good time go out and do all these big balls plays. I'm saying it's a good time to talk about it because. We've got the big buy rounds coming. We've got Origin coming. And you're going to have situations where you're going to have to sell some high-scoring players and move guys around to either cover buys or to be able to recognise the Origin period and guys that aren't playing and be able to replace them and get them back later for the run home. So it is a good time to have a look at it. It's also at round 11, a point of the season, which is kind of make or break for some teams. You know, you might be deciding, are you a head-to-head team? Are you an overall team? Are you both still um, and what you want to focus on? Can you chase? And if you can, how do you chase for overall? These are the type of questions that you're going to have to ask yourself now because we're a third of the way, more than a third of the way through the season. So good time to talk about it. Um, I'm, I'll give you my quick take and then we're going to break it down to a few different examples, Kane. For me, I'm always a big believer in if you're chasing, you've got to do some big balls plays. And even if you're not chasing hard, it's still good to look at them because if you just do the stock standard every week, you might um, start off solid and you might keep going solid, but chances are you're not really going to make a big dent uh, in overall. Um, so you do need to make some of those plays. I'll note that Tim Moody brought in Sevo this week. You know, that's that's a really smart play for a risk. I guess the thing is, though, even though I'm a proponent to doing it, and the moment, like, I'm, I am chasing, like, that's why I did the Moses in Cleary out trade because it was a calculated risk and I wanted to take, and I needed to take one with some upside and it was a longer term one too, rather than just this week. I think that you do need to do those, but the key is you can't do very many. And one of the things I'll point out is I still got almost a 1250 this week in my score. I still got a good score, even though I got the Moses 17 in there and I missed out on the Cleary 120. Uh, and that's because I didn't do a heap of these type of moves and I'm not, you know, a third of my starting seven, seven, 17 that I'm throwing out there this week weren't all these massive pod moves. You, you have to pick and choose and you have to try and hit on them and do a calculated risk rather than just going crazy and doing too many. Yeah, exactly right. It's got to be about the calculated risk and you've got to find that balance. You've got to find the balance of I've got to get some of the best players in each position. You've got to try and make sure you're trying to still get those top players, but then you kind of fringe decisions instead of going for the second best uh, back rower, go for someone that might be a little bit different. That's got a good run that no one's even looking at. Um, You've obviously got to balance out your cash situation with this as well. So if it's a, a downgrade option of a gun that you think has peaked, but most people are holding on, you could downgrade that player and look on, I know you did, but I'm not talking about Cleary when I'm talking about this necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it could have worked. That's the thing. It could have worked. It could have. And look, if Cleary had another down game, then yeah, it would have paid off beautifully. But the the thing, you, if you can go down to someone, like if most people are buying in, a, in round 13, for example, Sean Lane, then instead of going Sean Lane, 
you could go and buy Hudson Young, who not many people are going to be looking at. And he's going to play the next two games rather than just that round 13. And he could potentially jag a couple of attacking stats and outscore Lane anyway. So it's about kind of calculated risk, making sure that you're balancing out the rest of your side and then you can kind of have a few little sideways punts instead of getting this player that everyone's getting, I'm going to get this other one who isn't being looked at quite so much but could easily break through the roof. Yeah, 100%. And I'm going to put out two things just with the, the Cleary Moses example with that trade. Uh, and it's not it's not saying that it worked out well or anything. But one of the things that you consider with these type of trades is does it tick all these different boxes? And if it ticks all of them, you can alleviate some of the risk. And one of the things that alleviated the risk a little bit with um, Cleary to Moses was, you know, as bad as what it worked out, I still made almost $75,000 this week on that trade. Now, I'm not I'm yeah. not trying to say it was good, but that was the worst possible scenario that could have happened, happened and I still made 75000 That's one of the things that I think you need to tick off. You know, you don't want to be paying $900,000 for one of these pod players. You want to get value for them and you want to yeah. know that if it doesn't work out at a minimum, you can at least make some money out of it and flip that to somebody else and, and you're still getting some positive out of that. Like if, if Moses... Can, comes back in two weeks and, and plays pretty well, Cleary's probably going to go down a little bit more money still. You know, I could still make 125, yep. 150,000 out of that. And if you did that with a, you know, a, a cheapie that you went to for 250K as a downgrade and they got to 400, you'd say, oh, that was a great trade. Let's get him out. So that's one facet of it where, you know, you can kind of save yourself some risk by, look, if he doesn't score great or it doesn't work out fantastic in the scoring, at least I know that when I have to get rid of that, and alleviate that mistake in getting that guy in for points, I'm going to make some money out of it. I think that's one really important thing. The other important thing is I wasn't going to go um, a pod move for like a front rower where I was going to get maybe 62 points instead of 56 points. Yeah, You have to go a pod play to chase and a big balls pod play that's going to be upside. Moses scored 149 points the week before. He's got upside. That's what you've got to do. Do it with your set of wings. Do it with your with your halves, do it with your fullbacks. Don't do it with, you know, some some of your front rowers and stuff. I think those two points are pretty key for me. Well, I think there's a good one this week is a lot of people are looking at Alex Johnson this week. Whereas, yeah, he's a good pickup. He's got a high ceiling, got a pretty low floor. He can have a low game. He scored two tries and only got 70 on the weekend. So it's not awesome. But instead of going Alex Johnson, you could go with your guy, Sivo, this week who has a lower break even and has a pretty good run as well. A couple of good games in a row, plays the round 13. He'll have a buy in round 14. So if you've already loaded up in Moses, Dylan Brown, um, Sean Lane, Matto, Hopgoods, whatever else, and, and Gutho, then that limits your ability to get another Parramatta player. But someone like me, I've, the only Parramatta player I've got is Dylan Brown. So going for a, Acebo instead of AJ this week, it could be a, a good option for me. Uh, so, yeah, just like I said, they're two pretty equal players in that both got pretty low floors. They've both got pretty high ceilings. If everyone's going one way and there's not much difference between them, then jump the other way and you might be able to get a, a bit of a leg up. Yep. And the other way that you can do it over this period as well, another way when you're looking at big balls players, is to trade out some origin players. 
And obviously that happens every year. But when you're looking at getting guys in, don't just get the the most highest owned guy in, get the guy that's got a bit of upside and that's going to actually play the most games. And, you know, there's some examples this week. I mean, there's a risky one that I'm looking at doing and it's not in any of the top traded in and that's why I'm doing it. Like my big balls play for the next few weeks is going to be to possibly get drink water in. And look, it's got its risks, but like I said, I need to take a few risks and I'm happy to take a few calculated ones. Drinkwater plays the Dragons up in Townsville and then he plays the Tigers and he's going to cover round 13 as well. So that's that's a pretty big play. Um, it'll essentially end up being uh, Trevojevic to Drinkwater for me because I traded, drink, uh, I t- traded Turbo out when he was injured because I couldn't carry him, especially if it was going to be for two weeks. And I used my jewels just to throw a center wing in there for the time being. Yep. Uh, with the plan of, well, I could get Drinkwater in for that buy period. Now, Drinkwater hasn't gone great, but we know he's got a good ceiling and he's got a great draw. And looking at this origin period, you're going to have to sell some origin players. So certainly, Kane, the other big ball strategy is, you know, when you're going to sell out your origin players, look for guys with that upside and that ceiling, especially in those um, fullback and um, centre wing and, and halves positions. And that's one example that I'm looking at over that period for an origin player out. Yeah, I, I don't mind Drinkwater for me, though, he would be, if I got him this week, it would be a three-week sort of play. Uh, they've got the Dragons this week, Tigers next week, and then a weakened Parramatta in round 13. But then after that, they've got round 14, Melbourne, a bye, Penrith round 16, Eels round 17, and then back to Tigers again round 18. But that Storm, Panthers, uh, Bunnies all in a row in the middle there are the exact kind of games where I think between the three of them, his highest score is 81. Yeah. So that that would scare me a little bit. Yeah, definitely that period's hard. I think that the, the thing with 14 against Melbourne is it's backing up. It's going to be post origin backup, yeah, and it is in Townsville as well. So yeah, that okay. helps him a little bit. And the big thing is like you mentioned with the Eels, they got the round 14 bye. So it's really hard round 14 because you have got the Eels, Manly, the Knights on the bye. Drinkwater yep. is one of those guys that's a bit of a premium 13 player that isn't on that round 14 bye. So he gives me cover in round 14 as well. Uh, he'll probably go in round 15. But, you know, he's got that little bit of um, draw for uh, a few of those games in the next month of footy. So just one example, but we're obviously going to need to trade out some origin players, and that's a really good way of doing it uh, and a good opportunity to get on someone who is going to be lower owned. The other thing too, there is a way to do this, Kane, with the big balls plays and I'm not as big a fan of. So I'm interested in your input on this, and that is, Big balls plays as far as captaincy goes and doing an anti-pod captain. Like people that did it with Hines this past week would have been hugely rewarded. Now, I'm always cognizant of what the actual numbers are on the captaincy, but that might mean that instead of me going for the, the top captain, I might actually go for the third best captain. I never generally like to go for guys that are one or two percent captain type of thing because most of the time you know there's a reason why those those top captains are the top captains they are the best options and a lot of the time that works out so I just find that too risky most of the time uh, unless obviously you're a head-to-head player and you're just chasing head-to-head so that's a completely different scenario but th- that's probably the thing that I like to do least as far as the big balls plays go for a real real big pod captain that's only a couple percent captain. I don't mind the going with a, a pod captain. It's the, the thing for me is I like to try and hedge my bets a little bit. If, for example, Hines is playing in one of the early games and I'm easily going to just chuck a VC on him, 
so then if he goes poorly and everyone's jumped on him as captain, then I have another option. Um, that way I'm kind of covering if he does go nuts, then yeah, okay, I'll cop the AE and do the loop. If he doesn't go 120 plus or whatever, then I can have a bit of a dig on someone else who might have a good matchup that not many people have been looking at because they've just looked at Heinz or Cleary or whatever, um, going with a different position. But yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for me is when I'm looking at the percentages of the captains each week, if it's a, a pretty obvious captain, then I want to try and have a piece of it. And then if that VC doesn't work, then I can have a bit of a pod play after that. But um, I, I'm not super big on just throwing a random straight pod captain out there unless it's a, a pretty obvious one and it's early in the week and most bull VC then, and you can get a leg up just by going straight captain but it would have to be an obvious captain choice in that situation. Yeah, 100% agree. And I have to apologise to everyone about the uh, the lawn mowing the neighbours decided to do while I'm doing a podcast. It's uh, going to be pretty annoying on the edit and I probably won't be able to get the noise out. So sorry about that, everyone, but we press on with the lawnmower. Uh, oh, good. I can't hear it. <laughs> good. Look, I will just finish off on that by saying with the strategy chat that you you definitely do need to look at some ways to chase. And the last point I'll give is sometimes another option is just the eye test. And it is the most risky. But again, if you've got a a heap of different boxes to tick, like, you know, can they go big? Have they done something before in Supercoach that's relevant? Are they at a good price point? Do they have a low break even? Do they have a good draw? Will they play the buys? If If they tick off all these boxes, but they haven't necessarily scored well this year, you can just go for the eye test. And certainly you've got to go with your gut sometimes. And if you do, it's rewarded because one of the things that happens, Kane, is that you're not going to be able to foresee it all the time. Uh, I used Ewan Aitken as an example last week. Like Ewan Aitken is someone who up until round six uh, only had one game that was 60 plus in six games, and that was an 85. And all the rest of the games were between 26 and 58. You know, he, he just, he didn't really do anything. He had reasonable base, but he just didn't, didn't do much at all. And that was over yep. a period that the Dolphins were winning. Now, the problem was that he was still 540000 when he bought him down. So you had to spend a bit of cash on him at that point. And it really meant that he also got too expensive once he started going well. The last four weeks, he's gone 91, 99, 79, and 52. That's an example of someone who was never really a buy. But if you saw something in it and you took a punt, the last four rounds, you've gone fantastic. And he's now got a five-round average of 73 and a three-round average of 77. So he's gone great. And he's also out of the realm of purchasing because he's now 700,000. So these yep. are the type of things where it's an eye testing. Um, I'm throwing you a lot of bones here with your dolphins. So I just want, want you to know that when you slip me a 50 after the podcast. So Connolly Lemuelu is another big one. And I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. It was like, look, he hasn't scored that well. He was only having 56 points, I think, at that point. But he just looks like he's way more comfortable now as an edge back rower. And I just think that he's going to keep going. You know, And if he did that, he's now gone 120 and 79 in the last couple of weeks. It wasn't ever a fantastic buy. Uh, it didn't look like it based on what he'd done. But again, a bit of an eye test risk. And at 605000 now, he's got a, a small negative break even. But it's hard to pay that for him now because you lost a lot of value. Corey Horsburgh is very similar. You can still buy him now, but at 600000 he doesn't have near the value he had at 480000 So a bit of an eye test as well, Kane, isn't it? Where if you can see some guys in a price range, and what I like to do is sort of look at that 
filter of 300 to 500,000 and see what guys are there, have a look at their minutes and their roles and see if you can pick any of these guys out. You don't want to pick out two or three, but if you can pick out one and you watch a lot of football and you really like them, like a Connolly Lemuelu, it can work out really good in that regard too. I I do like Connolly. He's playing really well. Uh, I I would have liked to have gotten on him when he was in the 300K mark. That would have been fantastic. But the the thing that always held me off for him was just the fact that he could have easily gone straight back to the bench and been getting 40 minutes. And that because we were looking at, we had someone out on the edge each week. So we had Felice out for a chunk of time and we had Kenny Bromwich out for a little bit. So there was always the risk of someone coming back and kicking him back out of his position. But if you took the punt on him when he started to look like he was really owning that position, it's definitely paid off over the last few weeks. And it's a similar situation with Horsburgh. If you look at Horsburgh, he's played bugger all minutes to start the season. And then all of a sudden he played a 70 minute game and then he played another 71 minute game. But then you think, Oh, is this just Ricky doing his random Ricky things? He could play 40 minutes again next week, but now he's played 70 minutes, three weeks in a row. And I think it was low sixties this week, which is still good minutes. And it looks like he's locked in that position now, but he's gone up in price. So it's a bit of a, if you jump early and take that risk, then you get the benefit. But for me, I'm I'm generally a very anti-risk sort of player. So as someone that's <laughs> got a bit of doubt about his position, then I'm not going to go and jump in head first. Like I went, I got Tarpany instead a few weeks ago because I know his position. I know that he's going to play at least 50 minutes. I know that he scores at more than a point per minute. And there's always a possibility that he'll play more minutes. And if he gets an attacking stat, then he's going to be getting good scores. His floor is 60, where Horsburgh, if he plays 40 minutes, he could get a 30. So for me, it's the it's the, the risk-reward balance. I'd rather get Tuppany, who's going to get me 60 every week, with a bit of ceiling compared to a Horsburgh. Who knows what his minutes are going to do? But having said that, it looks like he's pretty well locked in 60-plus minutes for the moment anyway. Yeah, and that's when it comes down to a bit of eye tests and watching footy and stuff as well and just sort of taking a bit of a punt on what you think is going to happen um, if you're confident in it. Like for Horsburgh, I think, yeah, there's a few key things like Ricky Stewart spoke about. Well, first of all, he was spruiking him for Origin from three weeks ago. Um, yeah, I was about to bring that up too. Yeah, so when a coach <laughs> is talking about Origin and talking about the motor and he also, there was also some telling things like Ricky brought up that he actually had a a little bit of a disrupted preseason. And so he didn't come in with the fitness that that either of them wanted and it wasn't due to his work ethic or anything. He was just carrying a couple of niggles and different things or whatever. And that and that really told the story because Ricky also said, I wanted, you know, to get him right before I threw him in with, with bigger minutes and stuff. So it, it kind of built a narrative if you actually looked at it where it made sense that he was going to continue on in this role. Um, but obviously you've got to decide that yourself. I think that one of the big things is that you always leave yourself out, right? Um, and one of yeah. the things is making money low price point. The thing with the low price points though, like someone like Corey Horsburgh, you bring him in at 480,000 as a rotation front row forward. If it doesn't work, you can just bench him and it's okay. Yep. And that's probably what I'd say. If you're looking at these eye test guides, that's why I say look at the 300 to 500k range because you don't want to be buying someone at 650k based on a gut feel and based on some footy info that's there and not on their actual performance because that's 
getting far too risky and it's leaving yourself out to be hurt and you also got to play them as well. So just a couple of things to kind of keep in mind. Market watch around 11. Let's get into it, Kane. A lot of players. Certainly. A lot of players going in and out. I think the traded out's the easiest it's ever been, so it's not going to take us very long because we've basically got 10 bumps. Um, (laughs) Is that too mean about Tyrell Sloan? I don't think so. Look, I like like Tyrell Sloan, but he's the most traded out player. Uh, It's just one of those things where it didn't work the last couple of weeks despite the draw. And he looked good before that. If you started with him, you're still fine. Hasn't worked out now. Completely needs to go with that break even. William Warbrick, I'd actually held on to because he only had a, a 19 or 20 break even. Uh, it's it's the time to go now. He's playing the Broncos. He's got a break even to 64. He's not playing the first buy. Makes complete sense. Yep. He's made 200K as well, so you can bake that cash. I'm going to throw the hammer at you, though, okay? Um, to me, he was Don't a trade-out like a couple of weeks ago. Okay? A couple of weeks ago, he had like 100 break even. But he's now lost 40K this last week, and he's going to play around 13, and he's only got a 66 break even, and he's 510,000. So to me, like, I'm not going to say to anyone, look, you really can't trade him because maybe there's teams that are set up pretty well for round 13 or they don't really care about it. But in saying that, you know, yeah, he's got the Storm this week, but then um, he's got the Storm his first game back after his buy, but then he's got the Dragons in that buy round. You know, so he's not going to lose money this week and then he's going to play a hard game at the Storm with a 6-6 break even, but then he's going to have the Dragons and the Warriors back-to-back in 13-14 buy rounds that are hard to cover. So if you sold him two weeks ago, Kane, I think it was a lot easier decision when he had the 100 break even. I think it's not 100% yep, this week. Definitely. No, I wouldn't be looking to sell him this week. The only way I'd be doing that is if you've got pretty good numbers set up for round 13 already and you're looking at doing a, a hammer to a Garrick, for example, because you wanted to get it, to get Garrick in for, for this period. Um, I, I just can't see, un, unless your team is absolutely decimated and you've got no players anywhere, which most teams should have a few backup players in there anyway. I, I just think he's a great number for that buy. I'd, I'd be almost looking at him as a buy in round 13. So that's only two two games away. It's it's a bit of a an interesting sell for me. Yeah, and look, I'll, I'm going to throw the fifth guy on the most traded out list in the same boat, Katoa from the Dolphins. He's just gone up 25k. He's only got a 26 break even, and he's not playing this round. And same deal, right? He's going to play round 13. He hasn't been going great, but he's gotten better, and he's got his best three round average of the season at the moment. When you have a look at it, like his three round average is 46.3. Doesn't sound great, but his season average is only 40.7. He's been going better. The last three weeks, he's gone 52, 40, and 47. If he can keep doing that, that's 40 to 52 points. It's it's pretty valuable in round 13, and it's probably going to be an extra 30, 40K as well. So what I will maybe disagree on you with a little bit is I've got a bit of a theory with these type of guys. I actually think that some teams have left themselves too short. And I think that's why the Katoas and the Hammers are being traded as much this week because I think there is teams genuinely who are going, geez, I'm going to have to play Uta Kamanu or Sunny Luke or something as my 17th. Um, I, I better make a yeah. trade. So maybe that's happening a little bit. I think it's possible that that's happening a little bit. Uh, for for Katoa, he's only growing as a player. He's getting better and better every week. His scores are slowly increasing as he goes along. He's taking more and more control of that team. I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from him on field and he's going to be a pretty 
good number for that round again against the Dragons that are going to be missing Ben Hunt. I, I feel like he could pull out a pretty good score. Having said all that, I actually did sell him last week um, because, like I said, I had to fund uh, my Dylan Brown trade in. So I did sell him down to Oluwapu based on the, the hope that Oluwapu was going to become a must this week. But yeah, that didn't pan out. And I, I realized that I've limited my buy number by one there, but it was only a, is it scoring 40 points a week? I think he probably will slowly increase on that, but I kind of took the money out of that situation. I earned a good amount from him. And then um, Dylan Brown was a, a must for me last week and that ended up paying off points wise. So yeah. Oh, you had to do that trade to get Dylan Brown. Absolutely. Had yeah. To. So it, it was a situational one where I, I didn't trust some of the other uh, downgrade options. So I, that was the one that I could justify in the long run because I feel like Oluwapu is going to start at one point and he's going to make us a lot of cash and he'll play. I think he plays, do the Bulldogs play two buys, just not the first one? Something like that. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's going to be a valuable play through that period if you can get that start make me a bit of cash in that position so yeah i kind of justified that for that reason but this week the fact that katoa is on a buy he's still got a low break even he's going to be a buy number I, unless you're in a situation like i was last week where you're absolutely desperate and you needed that cash the only other situation i can think of is for people who are doing a fullback downgrade to Buller this week and then using that cash to turn Isaiah Katoa into a second gun 5-8. So if you've already got Dylan Brown, they're turning Isaiah Katoa into Cody Walker or something. I can I can see that happening as well, which I don't hate that option either. That That's turning a, a good round 13 number into a great round 13 number. So I, I can see how that would be a, a decent option. Yeah, for sure. And it's not... Yeah, I don't think either Kane or myself think that it's terrible to trade the Hammer or Katara. It's just, it's not a foregone conclusion that they need to go or they're an easy trade out. There's certainly some teams that might benefit from just holding those guys. Bit of a controversial one, bit of a polarizing one. Jackson Ford, you mentioned you own him. 5.4% of coaches are getting rid of him. He's 510,000, he's tying up. He's not playing this round because of the HIA. And he's not playing next round because of the buy. So normally with these type of guys, you know, they're out two weeks. You just go, look, I've got to get rid of them. And it makes a lot of sense. And I can see why teams would do that. I don't think he's set the world on fire. Uh, he's got an average of 51, though that's probably four or five points off what he really averaged because of his effective games, like his four-point game in round two. Exactly. But um, when you're having a look at it, it's not like he's gone great either. Like the last month of football, he's gone 40 67, 56, and 44. He's been adequate um, without being yep. phenomenal. And obviously, two weeks out, it's going to hurt a lot of teams. Some teams aren't going to be able to carry that very well. So I get trading him out. The argument for keeping him is a good one, though. Uh, between round 13 and 20, all that origin and big buy period, the New Zealand Warriors only miss one round, being round 16. So they have one of the best runs out of anyone during origin and the buy period. Between round 13 and 20, one game is all the New Zealand Warriors miss. And he will be back for round 13. So that's that's the upside of keeping someone like Jackson Ford. That's also why I've actually held on to someone like CNK 
even though a lot traded him out, and even though he would have been an easy trade out for me many times with a lot of different options, I've resisted. And that's the yeah, reason. I've got chance as well. And look, in round 13, they're playing the Broncos, who will be missing half of their team. So if you've got a Jackson Ford, who's potentially getting a little bit more space to work in, and he when he plays, he plays 80 minutes. Unless he's got an injury, he's playing 80 minutes on an edge against a weakened Broncos in a buy round. And for me, that is more valuable than the, like he's only 5'10". Like you're not getting a whole heap of value out of selling him for someone at this point. I, I just think he's going to be more value with the points in round 13 than he would be as a sell. I would rather be doing sells of Stefano, for example, and bumping him up to someone rather than Ford. Yeah, and look, it can be a week too where if you're selling someone like Ford because you're struggling and you need a 17th player, like look at some of the lesser players and getting rid of someone not as good in your team because you're going to have to clean out some of that rubbish eventually anyway. And if there's some other guys that are a bit cheaper, maybe you don't get your number one option you want this week, but taking your number two option and keeping someone like Ford for the future might be the better overall play. So just consider that potentially for some teams. Uh, Paul Alamodi, I, I thought that teams just needed... I, I was a big sell on him and I sold him pretty early on. But then when he got down to 350K, I was like, well, he's not really worth anything. Surely you just hold him now because he'll probably go up and he'll cover some buys down the track. He's down to 332K now. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's rough. And yeah, that's he's rough. only got a 32 break even as well. You know, he just he hasn't been doing anything at all. Like the last three rounds, 32, 38 and 26... It's just not good enough. But at the same time, he's just not scoring any tries. He's playing the New Zealand Warriors in Sydney, and then he's playing the Gold Coast Titans in Sydney, back-to-back games at a core stadium. It is an interesting two weeks for Paul Alamodi. And, you know, we talk about the super coach curse type of guys where you just you just inevitably get these reverse fairy tales happen where it's like, without a doubt, there'll be someone like him that everyone sells that waited way too long on and just never delivered. And then the week that he gets heavily sold, you know, he, he busts out at 85 and he makes an extra 150K. You know, it, it just happens all the time. And it, it's got yep, that rigid sure. over it for me. I'm not going to say anyone don't sell him, but just I'd be aware of that the next couple of weeks considering the draw and, and the lack of attack that he's actually gotten. And he's apparently got Fox coming back on his edge this week as well, which just adds a little bit of potency to that side. And he was getting a, a pretty good combination going with Fox before he got injured. He set him up for a couple of tries and put him away a few times. So I, I feel like Fox being there is going to help him out a little bit. And look, for his price at 330, it, it's not a whole lot of value. It's probably worth just holding for the next two weeks and having him as a sell for round 13 if you want to still sell him at that point. Um, Hope, hope he scores a couple of tries and get an assist this week, then gets another price for us next week, and then he can go after that. Yeah. Look, if you have to sell him, sell him. But, you know, just have a look at all your options because, like Kane said, you know, it, it could be worthwhile for some teams to be holding him as well. He's not a definitive sell at 332000 Another polarizing one, Cam Murray. Jeez, he's been disappointing. Jeez, I'm glad I started for feeder instead of him for round one. Uh, the last three weeks, he hasn't even hit 50 points. 46, 43, and 40. I'm going to go out on a limb and say a 43 three-round average is up there with the worst of Ken Murray's career. And it's just, it's one of those things where, look, is he going to keep doing this? Because his runs are down a few runs a game. And that's because he's passing a lot more than what he was before. I think it's definite that his role is a little bit different. And he does have origin coming up. But on the flip side, he's only 567000 You've almost lost $200,000 if you persisted with him, Kane, from round one. 
He's got a 91 break even, which is high but not astronomical, like 150 plus. And he's playing the West Tigers this week. I don't own him, so I feel people's pain, but I don't know from an owner's perspective what I would do. But from my perspective, from the outside looking in, I'm seeing 91 break even going, look, how how likely is it that he gets four 40s in a row? And against the West Tigers, it's about as good a matchup as you could hope for for Cam Murray. Uh, and I'm really not going to get much out of, you know, if he loses some money, it's only a 91 break even. Maybe I'm better off just waiting and just say, seeing what he does with the Tigers and selling him for round 13. I think because of his value being so diminished at 567000 I would probably lean towards that. I think for me, the fact that I, I did have Murray and I sold him to Dylan Brown last week. So thank God I missed that 50K price loss. But I had him from the start and I held him through all of those poor scores. We've got a couple of 80s in the middle that just had some attacking stats involved. But for me, he was going to be a sell through origin anyway. And I don't see him being more expensive than he is currently by around 13. So for me, that makes him a, a sell option. I'd be looking to move him on. Yeah, I can't argue with anyone moving him on because he's been really, really bad for owners, um, especially lately. I could see him doing well against the Tigers, but like you said, you are going to have to sell him once you get to origin anyway. So how well is he going to go over the next couple of weeks? Hard to say. Yeah. Number eight on the list is Taruva. Taruva is someone I persisted with, Kane, because he's had a pretty good base and he played that Tigers game and, of course, that Tigers game ended up in torrential weather, so I didn't get any reward for that whatsoever. Uh, he scored a pretty strong 47 last week. Um, glass half full, 47 last week was good. Glass half empty as he keeps bombing tries, and it's the best score he's had since round five. So, you know, it's uh, swings and roundabouts and just not very good. So I, I'm going to be selling to River this week. Hurts me a little bit, Kane, because I, I, his base stats are so good. And he's hardly scored any tries this year, and yet he's still managed a reasonable scores most weeks of 40s. But it, it's just time to go because you've obviously got to punt some guys out, and he's made his 113,000 at least. So I wouldn't say anyone has to sell him, but he is an easy sell to, to do a downgrade to somebody who's maybe 200 to 235K to free up a lot of cash to, to do an upgrade. Yeah, I can see him as a sell. He's. One of the people I'm looking at selling this week, I, I don't exactly know what I'm doing just yet. But like I said, I've got to try and get some more depth into my squad. So he might be someone that I have to downgrade potentially, but we'll um, get to that later, I think. Um, for the moment, he's someone that you can definitely have as a sell, but you can also just hold on to him. I, I think that he can easily get another rise going in the next couple of weeks. I actually think that this week he's going to get his first line break try. I'll throw that out there and get hit over over 60 points and then get another couple of price rises going forward. So he's someone that if I sell, I know that he's going to score that try. But uh, I don't hate him as a sell, don't hate him as a hold. It's kind of a team-dependent situation. And with center wing, there's so many center wings available, both gun options and there's obviously a couple of cheap options that people are looking at at the moment but yeah it's a very team dependent yeah don't talk to me about Drew anymore I'm too upset about it this next bloke Christian Welsh don't even talk to me Christian never again 
forget about it. Get him out of your side. I don't care that he's got a 57 break even and he's going to stay exactly the same. I'll use a rounders reference for anyone that likes your movies. He's got alligator blood. He just keeps hanging around. He just won't go away. <laughs> he just won't leave. And he just keeps staying the same points that are mediocre and the same mediocre price. It's not going to change. Whether you sell him now or you sell him in 10 weeks, it's going to be the same. So just, just pump yep. him if you can. I can't wait to get rid of him. And the 10th guy on the list, though, to finish up on, Josh Schuster. Teams are getting rid of him again. He's in Jersey 22, Kane. I'd be very careful. It's, yep. it's the end of the round. He's only going to give you 271000 He's got a 35 break even, but he's another round 13 number. I just don't think you're going to get much out of selling him. He could end up playing this round and then start making some money again soon. He's not even on my radar as a sell at the moment. He's not worth enough money. He's got his dual position, which has been very handy for a lot of people already this year. And he's a number that could put on a good score in round 13. So there's potential he's going to earn more money, be a good number. And the rest of the time, he's just sitting, he can sit there on the bench and be used as a dual position guy. So he's going to continue to sit there for me. On the ins, I love Luke Garrity's nickname that he put up on Magic Round for your Dolphins debutant in the centres here. The fridge with legs. He is that. He is the number one most bought player this round, but he's only played one game. But that one game for Tifare was 94 points with a double. And he didn't look like that much of an athlete, but he looked like a footballer when he played and he did some good plays. I actually brought him in this week. And it is one of those cardinal sins to do this because he's obviously only played one game. I just say that I think most of the time, Kane, the best case scenario is obviously you wait for that third game. But in my situation, I'll use myself as an example. It's not the best move to do this, but if you can afford to because you've got enough depth and, you know, if they don't play, they don't play. I needed someone at 200000 I needed a big downgrade to be able to fund my big upgrade elsewhere. And that's where I think there is value. If you don't need that money or you're going to have heaps of money in your bank after this trade, you'd obviously wait for, for the fridge, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. It's one of those ones where it's a, if you are desperate for a cash downgrade, then ugh, I can kind of get around it. But there's guys like um, Max Fear Guy that's definitely going to play this week. He's definitely going to have a, an increase in price. If he plays next week and then gets dropped for round 13, then he's, he could be a downgrade to Val at that point and then make you another 120K in the meantime. So it, again, kind of depends how much money you need for this week. I, at the moment, will be waiting. I don't know exactly what Wayne's position is with Val and whether he's overtaken Brenko, which it's not like Brenko's a defensive powerhouse himself. So... I would like to see Val stay there because I just love watching him play. I've watched him play a lot of games in Q Cup last year and he's just a machine. He's actually Surely he keeps Brenko out though. Like don't, I just can't see Wayne off that debut just going, all right, you've got to step back down because Brenko Lee's healthy. Yeah, but it's a, one of those things where he hasn't played a lot of rugby league. He's coming into first grade. Are they just going to chuck him in the deep end? He doesn't normally do that, having said that he did do it with Katoa, but a little bit of, of that was forced as well. But, yeah, I, I would like to see him there. I think that he's more, way more damaging than Brenko. I don't think Brenko scored a try all season and Val comes in and scored two in his first game. So it just gives us another point of attack as well, which is always a good thing. 
he needs to work on a few things in defence, just positioningly and reads and that sort of thing. But hey, what what centres don't need to work on their reads? Brenko still needs to. Yes, um, so exactly. So thirty base and thirty two base attack. Only one game at sixty two base base attack is pretty outstanding for him. Um, but you're right. I did forget it's Wayne Bennett. So Wayne Bennett will drop him for Branko Lee. That it's just <laughs> about etched in stone. That that's a, that's a real Bennett move. Uh, Fainai was one of the guys that's also in the top few most traded into. He's an obvious downgrade at 235,000. He's got a minus 28 break even and he's going to make money now. Yeah. So certainly I would prioritize getting him in. He's also going to play round 13. I guess with him though, yeah, well, that's the thing, Kane. You know, will Max make it to round 13? Because we obviously have Lomax in second grade at the moment. So how long can that possibly last? If there's a coaching change, which I think there will be within a fortnight, then that can go one of two ways, right? It can be we're going to stick with the Fainai brothers and they're going to they're going to get all the time that they can handle because we need to play young players because we're not winning anything this year in the development route. Or you're going to get a coach coming in and say, Lomax, I've always liked you and you're too good for second grade. You're one of our stars and you're coming back in. It could go either way. So at least I guess you're going to make money out of it for a week or two at a very minimum if it goes bad. Yeah, well, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it at the moment is even if he doesn't play around 13, he's going to earn me a little bit of cash. And then if he's not in 13, then he can go to Val because Val's price rise won't happen until round 13. So he can be that. Perfect little downgrade right on that week when we know that he's actually going to play that third game. Yeah, the only issue will be that you, you might end up having to do that downgrade at only like 60K profit or something, which would, which stings a lot. So, you know. Well, the, the ideal is that he stays in the team and continues to play. But as a, a kind of contingency plan, if he doesn't play, then you've got Val there as a moving him on to Val situation. Yep. I think it's an even money chance that he stays in. I will just say to finish off on. Uh, the Max and the Vow talk that uh, after that Vow trade, I've got $900 in the bank. So if anyone wants to know why I'm not going Max, that's why. Uh, I need that money. I need that money bad. Yeah. Ruben Garrick, second most trade in. I, I really like Ruben Garrick at the moment as a buyer because this is one of those things where I think I've said it with Billy when we did a proper buy, um, buy planning strategy chat a few weeks ago where you got to look at the most opportune time to buy, guys. And for the buys, like you can't just get to round 13 as a big buy round and go, okay, these are all the guys I need. You've got to have a target list and see when's the best time to buy. Ruben Garrick's coming off a really good score of 83 when they got absolutely trounced by the Broncos. And he's only got a 48 break even and he's only $540,000. It is an opportune time to buy. Despite the fact they're playing the Sharks, despite the fact he may not score well this week, um, there's a chance that he goes up in value. You could leave it this week, though, Kane. Like I say, I like it this week. I like it a lot more next week if he's the same price, which he could be, um, against Canberra in round 12 and then heading into that round 13 buy. So a good buy this week, um, but certainly not a must if you can wait till, you know the week after. Yeah, I, I think he's still a pretty good buy this week. His break-even's 48, so generally he's going to score more than that anyway. And as we saw with the Sharks last week, they can have periods where they leak a lot of points. I think the the Warriors put, had a pretty good run on them a few rounds ago, pretty early in the season as well. So, look, their defence is not the greatest, and having Turbo still in the team, I would be. I'm always scared that Garrick's going to go nuts when Turbo's playing. So, for me, the the fear factor would make Garrick a pretty big priority to bring in. Um, if you wanted to w- wait another week or you had other priorities, then yeah, you can get away with it. He's 
price isn't going to get out of hand this week with that break even. So yeah, it's just a matter of kind of what you need to have done this week. Like if you've got, for example, your Tom Gilberts as your second prop and you're going to have to play a Stefano or whatever, then you'll be looking to upgrade a front row in that situation. And then you'd have to wait for Garrick. So obviously depending on what your priorities are for the week, I would be looking to get Garrick as one of the priorities if you don't have other fires to put out. Yeah, 64 average on the season. You have to get him in this week or next for the round 13 buy if you're planning on playing round 13. Yep, for sure. Tohu Harris, a bit more polarizing here. Yeah, for sure. It's a, a weird one for me. The The fact that like he's coming back from injury, he's stung people twice this year already. They've got a buy next week. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be buying him now he's his break even's 47 as well so it's not like it's super low he's going to get out of reach or anything like that i, I don't know, it just is a little confusing to me i can't talk rationally on tohu harris because he's on my never again list ever <laughs> so it's very hard i've only owned him for injury injury games every time i bought him he's been bad um, it's yeah, round 12 last year, was it? Yep. Uh, and I look, I said at the start of the year, he just he probably won't make it to the buy, you know, and even still now coming back, he probably still won't make it to the buy. Like, I just I can't put faith in Toby Harris anymore. He's too old, he's been injury riddled for years, and I just can't believe that they keep piling the minutes on, on him. Like, it, when he came back from this, is something good for people to take into account, okay? Round three, what round one to three, he played 80 minutes a game. Okay, round four, he came in underdone, carrying injury, and he played 45 minutes. Okay, that's that's yep. really important, you know, because obviously he hasn't played. Um, he had some injuries and stuff, and then he's come back last week after another round off in round nine, and he's played 80. Now, is he good? Is he healthy? Or do we see him regress from 80 and play lower minutes or get injured again? And do they also go easy on his minutes because the next week they've also got the buy and they're thinking, well, he can get like a good two weeks rest. Maybe he's better after that. I don't, there's just so many variables with him and his injuries and what his minutes are going to do in a vacuum though. I couldn't say to anyone, it's a bad buy. I'm just very jaded by him. His numbers say it's good. Yeah. 64.4 points a game, closer to 70 points per game. If you account for some injury affected stuff, only 582,000, but like Kane said, 47 break even. Like if he throws up a 65 or a 70 this week, I would just deal that you miss deal with it that you miss that. Yeah, and big deal. Pay 15, 20k more in two weeks' time because next week he's going to be sitting on your pine as someone who's worth almost 600k. Why put yourself in that position now? He's unlikely to go massive, and he's very likely to get hurt. It's just like you. It, it seems a bit weird for me if people like Tohu, and I'm not one of them. Um, then he is a good player. Well, the coach also said. The coach said after the game last week that he wasn't meant to play 80, that it just ended up happening that way, that he had to stay out there. So they're not looking to play him 80 at the moment. They know that he's a little bit busted with that knee and it just happened to work out that he played 80 last week. So I'm expecting he's not going to play 80 this coming week, that it'll be closer to the 60 sort of mark, 65 maybe, and that he's going to just pull out like a 55-ish sort of score. Buy him in round 13. If you've got a list of seven players you want to buy by the time round 13 comes, put him as your, your first round 13 buy. That is where I think that he he's going to have the best value because you know that he's playing that round and you'll know what his health and minutes look like and he's not going to cost much more money. So I, I don't particularly like it, but like I said, I'm fairly biased with him because he's absolutely killed me year after year. 
Jareem Bula at the Tigers, 282,000. I want you to explain to me why he is a good buy still. Um, I can see why he is. I liked him a lot more last week. He's just gone up 82,000. Kane, he's, he's had pretty good scores, 59, 60, and 38. That's accumulated to a 52.3 average. He's got a minus 32 break-even still, so he's going to make some money. He's playing Souths, and we just missed 82,000, and he cost 283,000 as opposed to, you know, 50K less for a Fainai or, or certainly 83K less for Val in your Dolphins team, even though he's not going to go up yet. So, you know, getting Buller in, taking up a fullback spot now, I would have rather done it last week, not just because of the money, but just because you've got that few games before you can sell him on for a good profit in round uh, 13 when you might need to free a spot up. Exactly. It's the, the thing that stopped me from buying him last week was just the fact that he's not going to play round 13 and I probably would need one of those fullback spots to be used in round 13 to bring someone in like a, a Gutho or whoever. So the fact that I would have to move him on pretty quick made the the cash that he would generate in that time a little bit less enticing because it would then mean, and, and look, he's scoring pretty well. His base is pretty good. It's not a terrible buy. If I think for me, the only reason I would do that would be if I had a centering duel at fullback, someone like a Miller or a Hammer or a Garrick as your second fullback, then you could sell someone like you Taruva and move your center wing back and buy Buller. I'm, I'm fine with people doing that. I'm not as excited about selling your Tedesco's, Turbo's, Reese Walsh's straight down to a cheap fullback. I, I just... And it just makes me a bit itchy. But like I said early on, this is also my uh, years of super coach bias of you need to have two gun fullbacks that yeah, I can't yeah. break. Yeah. So that there's a little bit of my own kind of psyche issues going on with that one. <laughs> but um, <laughs> look, that's, that's also one of those big balls players that you can go, you know, I'm going to get a cheap fullback and he's a playable fullback. He's getting decent base. He needs one attacking stat to get 60 plus, which... Look, that's that's what Tedesco's doing at the moment. So I think the nail in his coffin that came is that he's playing Souths this week. Like that really turned me off. Like he he could get a twenty this week very easily, and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, yeah I didn't make much, and now he's all all of a sudden going to be a sell very shortly. I'm not going to make anything. I, if he wasn't, if he was playing a, a worse side than Souths, who I think are red hot at the moment, like I I think that it would make it a lot easier. I, I just think I agree because of that, and you you needed to buy him last week and sort of foresee that. So I think that's what really kills him dead for me as an option. It, it could work out though. I'm, I'm not going to have to say 100. percent It's a bad bad option. Yeah, for sure. I, it could definitely work out, and it's just one of those risks that you got to take or you've got to just let it slide and not look at it again. Just try and make sure you're moving on, not thinking about how much money that guy's making because you're earning points somewhere else. So speaking about South, my buy of the week, now that I've um, just uh, hinted that I think the Tigers are going to get belted, I think that South Sydney is absolutely going to do a number on the Tigers this week. I think they're playing too well, and I think Alex Johnston is going to benefit. So he's only owned by 6% of teams at the moment, 3.3% are bringing him in. He could very well still be a pod by the time he hits the Tigers this week. He's 589000 And for me, I bought him a couple of weeks ago, um, but it was always this time to buy him. He does have a 76 break even, so he's not going to go anywhere, but you've got to look at the points that you can get. I think the thing with AJ is now, when you look at the next five games, 
including the big buy round of round 13 and the mini buy, big buy round of round 14. He's got the Tigers, the Eels, the Raiders all at home and then the Titans and then the Dragons. It is a very good five-game stretch for South Sydney. Like me, a lot of teams will probably be saying, I need a piece of it, but I can't afford Latrell Mitchell. I can't afford Cody Walker. I can't fit them in those spots either. It's too hard. Who else do I get? Alex Johnson is a natural guy to get in. 589,000. The thing that I like about it is he's averaging 55 for the year, which is really bad for him. And he doesn't have any massive bust-out games yet. He hasn't got a ton yet. He's got a high of 90. He got 76 last week. Certainly the hard draw hurt him. Certainly not going left enough uh, definitely hurt him. But that has to roll around for me. And he's got to start getting some tons because he averaged 68 and 73 the two years before. This is a period that that's going to happen for me. He's got a fantastic draw. Even if you look past round 16 when they got the buy cane, he hits the Cowboys at home so he doesn't have to go to Townsville. Uh, then he's got the Warriors and the Bulldogs back-to-back in 18 and 19 as well. So you could even hold him a bit longer. And you can even hold him for the run home and rotate, even though they do have two buys between round 20 and 26. He's just – I love him as a buyer this week just because of his upside and just all the numbers and everything kind of accumulate to saying he's going to be pretty low-owned and he's got a good chance at a ton. And it could even be this week where I'm backing him for two tries. Yeah, I do like him as a buyer this week. He's someone that I've – kind of been spruiking the last couple of weeks uh, just based on the fact that there's always a period every year where AJ goes on a run and he'll score 320 plus scores in a period of four weeks and he'll skyrocket in price and most a lot of people will miss that period and be ruling that they didn't pick him up at this cheap price. I think uh, there's a lot of people that are picking him up, a lot of people that kind of do have him already. So that does make me go, oh, do I go and do a Sivo instead and go a bit of point of difference there? For me at the moment, to get him, I would be selling Reese Walsh and moving a Garrick into fullback to get Alex Johnston. So it's kind of a losing a fullback to get Alex Johnston. Is that a worthwhile endeavor? Because I can't go straight from to River to Johnston and with Walsh's run coming up, I do really want to kind of get clear of him before it starts to stink up against the Storm and the Panthers in the next two weeks. And I expect him to be in origin. It's funny because if Walsh goes really well over the next two weeks, then he won't play 13 because he'll be in origin. If he goes really poor, he's going to lose a whole heap of cash and then he's going to play a full strength Warriors while he's missing half of his team. So I'm really looking at how I can sell Walsh and how I can best get value out of him. So, yeah, whether I do a center wing, I considered the Buller thing, but, you know, I can't make myself do that. Um, but, yeah, Alex Johnson's definitely on the radar. I think he's a great buy. And, you know, I, I don't expect South to flog, flog the Tigers. The Tigers have been pretty defensively solid. But I do expect Johnson to get at least a try on the weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm pegging him for two. That might only be a 76 again, but I'll take that as an owner. Um, But I think he's one of those strike center wings with the upside that you need for round 13. So certainly you can wait and not get him this week, but it's a pretty opportune time versus the Tigers. 
Billy Smith is getting traded the seventh most is the seventh most traded player in at the moment. And I, even as a Roosters fan, even as someone who loves Billy Smith since he before he even debuted, cannot get around this one. Uh, I understand the downgrade needs and stuff, but I don't get downgrading to Billy Smith after one game to be able to play against the Penrith Panthers at 289000 when there's someone like Max Fainai who's going to go up in money now at $50,000 less. Or if you want someone who does play round 13 as well, which Billy Smith doesn't, there's there's Val Tavare who is going to potentially play round 13 and hasn't played a game uh, past last week, but that's the same as Billy Smith's boat, except he's $90,000 less to invest in. I do not understand the Billy Smith trading at all this week. No, not on my radar one bit at this point. I, If I'm buying Billy Smith, it's in round 14 probably. Yeah, and, I, and I'm very interested. Over, I'm very interested then, right? And, and look, there's going to be players that you have for round 13 that you go, look, I don't really like this guy or they've, they've done their job or they've got a really high break even and you get a good downgrade out of it, you know? But but why, why go on Billy now and spend that money? He does have job security issues, Kane. There, there is a very good chance that Manu goes back to centre. That too, and yeah. Then all of a sudden, Sam Walker comes in and there's issues. There's other problems as well with his job security too. Momorowski is out for 12-plus weeks, okay? That's why he's in the, in the centre spot that he's in. But Yeah, that does help. But look, he could go and pull out a 20-point game this week, which is going to stunt all of that cash growth and then get dropped because Sam Walker comes back in and Manu goes back to centre. So... Mm-hmm. It could have like a two break even too, which is going to be like nothing anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just not a not a trade that I think is needed at this point. I think he's someone that we can look at after that first buy. If he gets one price rise before then, so be it. You can cop that on the chin and get him later. Dylan Brown, just going to say, absolutely have to get him in. It's actually really expensive now to pay seven hundred fifty thousand. You should have got him in the last couple of weeks, but. He's got to break even at six. He's going to get more money. So, you know. Yep. He'll be over 800 after this week. So I'd be moving on that one as soon as you can. Very hard to play, to pay what he's at, let alone 800,000 plus. And I will say with the Canberra Raiders this week and Moses out, you know, does Dylan Brown get his hand on the ball even more than what he normally does? I'm going to say he does. So very important. Yep, me week. too. Uh, last two, just to finish up, Jack DeBellin and Corey Horsburgh. They're 9 and 10. People are obviously searching for round 13 cover and also for uh, guys that can play front row forward especially. They're both duels. Uh, they're both around the same price, 591 for Corey Horsburgh and also Jack DeBellin at 597. So Horsburgh is a guy I, I loved for a month. I, I got him in a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm very happy to Spruik and say he's a, he's a great player to have in your front row forward rotation. The problem for me now, I don't think it's a bad buy at all. I still think that he can very well average like 64 for the year. And if you're going to pay 591 for someone who's going to do that front row forward and be dual and have flexibility, that's fine. But you've missed the boat on a lot of the value that you could have had buying him for more than $100,000 less. So it's it's one of those things where I think you've got to really plan your trades to get the value because if you don't, it really... Devalues the purchase that you're making. It's a devalued purchase this week getting Corey Horsburgh. But benchmarking against Jack DeBellin, for me, I'm actually more on Horsburgh than DeBellin. And, you know, I just can't get around Jack DeBellin for a few reasons. He scored 91 on the weekend, even though I said that. Um, 74 minutes, 67 raw base. Absolutely killed it. Best score of the year. Probably his best score in four years. 
Um, but having said that, you know, whilst he's still gone really well the last four weeks of football, a Dragons coaching change, I said last week, is right on the horizon. It's just getting closer by the day. If it's next week, do they start developing other guys? Does he get less than 80 minutes um, or, you know, 74 to 80 minutes type of thing? I just have to say that I think that's going to happen. Now, does he get to round 13 and cover you and then you can move on from him? Maybe. Uh, but he's almost 600,000. You know, with someone like Horsburgh, I just feel like I can leave him there, you know, and they're, they're going to be a rotation piece. With someone like JDB, I feel like his role could drop off at any minute. And I also feel like he's uh, he's someone who I'm going to have to trade out later on probably. So I'm a bit probably jaded on JDB. I, I, just, I just don't see it with him. Can you give me another voice here? Can you, you know, come and tell me why I should be getting JDB or are you sort of in the same boat? <laughs> I actually don't mind uh, JDB as a buyer this week. As someone who already owns Tuppany, that kind of puts a, a little bit of a limit on me wanting to buy Horsburgh as well. I don't want to watch two players in the Ricky Stewart's forward rotation. Also, when, when they come to another buy at some point, then I've got two front rowers that are out at the same time. So I want to try and balance how many players I have from each team. And funnily enough, I don't have any Dragons in my squad I don't think crazy so, isn't it I don't think anyone yeah. does I think they're all zero percent owned but you know after Slade gets traded out my friends this week anyway yeah so what, what that means is that when the Dragons have a buy and I've only got Jack DeBellin for example then I'm only having to sit one player and he covers around 13 and around 14 so a lot of what I'm doing at the moment is when I'm looking at my buy players and looking at those that played both of those rounds not just the ones that play around 13 so for me, I don't have any Newcastle Knights. I've only got one Parramatta player and I've only got Schuster and Garrick from Manly. So come round 14, I'm in a pretty good position. I feel like I can actually afford to maybe even buy one or two more players from those teams and still be able to cover everything. So I'm not overloaded with those. But then I still want to make sure that I've got pretty good cover. And like I said, my depth isn't great. So... Getting someone like DeBellin in my forward rotation with dual position, he's got a low break even, he's playing big minutes. I think he's their best forward by light years, so I don't necessarily think he's going to be playing anything less than 65 minutes most weeks, regardless of whether he's named a prop or lock. And it's just his base. His base is really high because he plays those good minutes in the middle and look, that try assist was a bit bogus last week he just passed it to someone to Sullivan I who, thought that as well I don't know how he got to 91 with that yeah that that was ridiculous Sullivan did all of the work himself it just that DeBellin passed him the ball and how many times have we hoped that people would get a try assist just for passing the guy the ball and get nothing and then this one <laughs> manages to get a uh anyway that was a bit weird but yeah I, I don't mind him as an option I think that he's someone who's on my radar if I do say a a Taruva downgrade, then I can turn Stefano into DeBellin and that buffers by front row and second row because I've got Murdoch Masilla in my second row who's dual position. So I can kind of cover both positions, which is pretty handy. Yeah. And look, I'm I'm a bit jaded on, on Jack DeBellin um, just because he. it's hard for me to get on board guys that are old in bad teams and haven't really been relevant particularly for a few years. So it's just sort of, it's a bit hard to get around. Like someone like Horsburgh for me, and I was making this comment to Wilfred when I was chatting to him about it. Horsburgh is young. 
He's an up-and-comer. He's pushing for origin. Like, he, he's going to even possibly get better. And his role's only, you know, his role's grown for a reason. It's because he's young and it's his time now. Uh, I, I like yep. that scenario a lot more than, than JDB's, I guess. But, look, I can see JDB working out. To, to also add to that, there's the Horsburgh for origin chat that's been starting to get a bit of a push lately, which mm. he's playing well enough and he's got just the right amount of um, angry in him to fit origin pretty well. So I, I wouldn't kind of leave that out of your considerations. Yeah, I think that he's definitely playing well enough. I've, I've pegged him at the moment to be like 19th, 20th man um, yep. because I've, I've gone through their middles and just gone, I don't know how they can drop any of these middles. Like, are they going to drop a, a Welsh, a Carrigan, uh, a Lindsay Collins, a Tino? Like, they've, they've got quite a few middles. Maybe they drop a Josh yep. Papali'i, but it's still like he's like the sixth guy. You've got guy. to think that Papali'i's done, surely. Probably, but he's also like the sixth guy, and then there's these other guys as well. Yep. I mean, your your boy Tommy Gilbert's there as well. You know, there, there's just so many middles, and, and then Ruben Cotter too. Like, I've just named yeah, like yeah. eight. You know, like it's... I think <laughs> How do they fit them all? I think they'll definitely put him in the squad, but he, he'll be released to play. So, you know, it is, yeah. it is a possibility. That's a likely scenario. It's just a matter of, you know, just keep your ears to the ground about what um, Billy Slater's been saying, basically. All right, machine gun TLT. We're just going to go through and just pick out some vice captain and captaincy options very quickly to finish off the podcast this week. The Storm and the Broncos, um, I have to say... Storm and Broncos. I really like that the Storm's at dollar seventy almost on pickle bet. That is my bet for this one for sure. But it looks like a tough game, Kane. Uh, it is in Melbourne in Amy Park. I don't think that you could possibly look at any Broncos VC. Although I guess that's why Welsh Welsh would be a, a pod VC for it. Um, yeah, I'd certainly be looking towards maybe those Storm players if I wanted to VC. Um, someone like uh, Munster playing the Broncos at, at Amy Park. It just smells like a big game, but also needs it, to, it does. It also needs to note too that Harry Grant obviously came from Queensland. He came from up in that system up there, uh, and you know he might want to stick it to to his old stomping ground as well, playing at home at Amy Park. I think in terms of VC, Munster's the only person I'd even be considering in this game. Obviously, you could do Walsh, but I just don't think that the Storms' defence is bad enough for Walsh to be going 120 plus, which. He hasn't done yet anyway. So coming up against a, a decent team, I, I think Walsh will be a little bit more limited. I think that Grant will have a bit of a comeback. Like you said, I think he's going to have a, a big game this week. But again, I don't think it's going to be big enough that it's that you're looking at a VC option. I think the only person with the ceiling and matchup would be Munster. Yeah, same for me. And I do think there's better VC option to pass this game as well. I will throw it out there that um, Munster's high score against the Broncos isn't that good. It's 105. Harry Grant's got a max of 103. So I found that interesting. Um, yep. The next game of the round, uh, it's Friday night one with the Bulldogs and the Warriors. I apologise to both fans because we're doing a real fast machine gun on this one. There is no options really. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. I'm just going to go out there and say Matty Burton's still getting it done for me and I'm expecting another 75-plus score from him this week. Uh, and TPJ, you better pull your bloody finger out. Uh, Penner, yeah, and like I said, I reckon <laughs> to- Tohu sub-60 points. There you go. There's a big call for that one. Tohu sub-60. Uh, Panthers, Roosters. The Roosters attack looked awful. I do not think it's going to look much better at Bluebet Stadium versus the Panthers. But, I, you know, it's it's hard, this one, isn't it? Because normally you'd look at it and go, I don't want to, I definitely don't want to see Cleary, 
But VC, do I go there? Probably. But it's the, the sort of game that I think, you know, six, seven weeks ago, you would have said, nah, it's a bit of a waste of a VC. It'll be a tough affair. And now you're going, well, the Roosters aren't traveling well. So maybe they'll go well. Last week, it was 18 6 at the Panthers won. And Cleary got gifted 120 points. So it, yeah, it doesn't take him much. Yeah. I, I, if you're putting anything on this game, it's, it's Cleary. They're, you're not putting any VCs on a Rooster at all. The Panthers have the best defense in the comp, despite the fact they've lost quite a few games. That's all based on their attack not being all that flash. It's their defense is still only conceding 13 points a game. And I, I'm not putting any, any stocks into that. The only person that would become close would be Manu just because of his work rate. But again, the, the ceiling against Penrith is never that high. So clear, clear is the only option there. But for me, Hines again is in the same position and has a better matchup for me. Interesting uh, that on the watch list, Angus Crichton's starting and he might very well start this game if they don't have a, a change beforehand. And I'd also be watching as a Manu owner uh, what happens with uh, Sam Walker in Jersey 20 pretty much every week. But we move yep. along South Sydney and the West Tigers. When I said about Cleary, maybe not the VC for the week and also on not wasting it on a Storm player, it's because the Rabbits are playing the Tigers. If I own Latrell Mitchell, I could not get that blue colouring in his background fast enough for that <laughs> VC. It would, it, oh. And if I didn't own Latrell Mitchell, I own Cody Walker, it would be on him. And if you wanted to really like pot it up and just really go for broke with a VC, Alex Johnson's got the ability to go 125 with a hat trick. So I, I love all of those, Kane. But certainly Latrell Mitchell is my pick this week. I actually think that he is a captaincy option outright going against yep. a, a Nico Hines, and I would do it if I had Latrell Mitchell. It, it looks like a kind of game where you just kind of put a, put up a dartboard with South players and throw a dart and VC the one that lands on. There, there's quite a few different options. Cody Walker, Alex Johnson, Campbell Graham, they could all have big games this week. But having said all of that, I've heard in a few other podcasts that the Tigers have only had one player score 100 points against them this season so far. So their defense has not been that bad. As much as they're not winning games, it's more to the fact that they just can't score points. So their defense has been okay. And I'm hoping as someone who owns zero South players currently that they can hold up their defense again and um, shut Latrell down. All that is 100% true. I'm just going to bust that narrative with my <laughs> own one. And, you know, I'm, I could be completely wrong. I think the West Tigers have gotten away with a few games that have been easier. Uh, that rain game against um, Penrith, I think, stopped them. You know, if that was a sunny track, I think they would have got done by a lot more. Oh, well, they would have oh, 100%. Not, they would not have won the game then. They would have got done by a lot. So they've had a few of those games. But the biggest thing for me is that South Sydney, to me, is the hottest attacking team in the competition. And they have such an ability to put on points so quickly in such a short span of time. I just see this as a smash-up. And I'll finish off by saying Latrell Mitchell's highest score ever is against the West Tigers at 161 points. Latrell Mitchell is one of those superstars that feasts on the bottom teams. He went 146 against the Bulldogs in round six, and historically his highest score, 161 versus the West Tigers. I'm worried as a non-owner that it's a 150-plus day for Latrell Mitchell. The Cowboys and the Dragons, uh, I don't want to go into. I do need to mention, though, actually, on that South game, uh, the uh, the line for them, and even just, you know, I can't believe that Souths are even paying $1.12 on Picklebet 
Um, but certainly go in there and have a look at the some of the lines just for the try scorers and everything because Alex Johnston, $1.55, I'd be all over that for one try. Uh, the next game, the Cowboys and Dragons. Look, if you're going to do a – if you're someone who likes to do a real pod VC, um, maybe the, the Cowboys are on a roll and you could talk yourself into someone like a, a real pod Val Holmes or Drinkwater in this one. That's if you want a big balls VC because you're not going to obviously get punished for it and you've got Nico later in the round. I'm all for those ones as well. If you don't own like South players, um, I would, I'd be looking at maybe some of those. But the Raiders and Eels, I'm interested in your take on this one because Dylan Brown has been on fire. He's got back-to-back hundreds, and they've both been pretty big hundreds as well. Uh, and Clint Gutherson as well has been really solid in his floor being sort of 65, 75-point range, and yep. that's his floor. Do they, any of these guys with Mitchell Moses interest you in riding the Eels run against the Raiders? I currently have my VC on Dylan Brown. Uh, I feel like with no Moses there, he's going to be getting his hands on the ball a lot more that also then opens up that whole left side a little bit as well. So people like Sean Lane and Sevo definitely come into play as well. So if you've got a Sevo, I don't mind chucking a VC on him as someone who's got a pretty high ceiling. Um, yeah. I, you could go with Gutho as well. Who's going to have a goal kicking. So that just adds another layer to his floor. So you're talking about you having a floor in the 60s and then you add goal kicking onto that, it takes it up to almost 80. So he's a pretty good option. He's someone that I've kind of looked at, but I feel like it's a little bit, it kind of burns a little bit spending money from Reese Walsh to go up to Gutherson that, yeah, just feels a bit gross. Um, but yeah, I, I'd be happy with a, a VC on either Gutho, Dillbags or um, Sevo on that left side. Yeah, and look at, you know, Dylan Brown's thrown up 110 versus the Raiders before. And I think that Gutherson and Dylan Brown are going to benefit from Moses out. I really do. So if the Eels are playing yeah. well, I think that they're in for big scores. The thing is that the Raiders might turn up and make it a bit of a tough one. So that's that's the risk. Uh, look, we're going to just bypass uh, the Titans and the Knights real quickly. I'm going to say that Dave Fafita is another smoky, just to yeah. add something there. I'm running against that Knights edge. Or Miller. Um, those two guys are real smokies for the VCs. Fafita's gone back to back hundreds, hundred and hundred fourteen. If you didn't, if for some reason you didn't own Hines or you needed to go against him, um, I could talk myself into going at David Fafita. He's gone back to back hundreds. He hasn't scored below a seventy six in the last. Well, he hasn't scored below a seventy six in the last six rounds, and he's only got one try in that stretch. He's very close yeah. to going one hundred twenty five or going for a double try, adding 150 even. Uh, so, yeah, one to really keep an eye on. But the last game, obviously the Sharks versus Manly. There's no way in the world that I'm I'm looking at Turbo at the moment as a captaincy option. But Nico Hines is coming off 40 points. So what side of the narrative are we on him? He's going to be hugely captained anyway. Um, yep. But my narrative on it is if he's got if he scored 40 last week and the Sharks were that bad and they were that filthy about their performance, he's going to come out and absolutely kill Manly this week. So I'm all over a captaincy Hines and I cannot possibly get off him. No, I can't have a have Hines play and not have a piece of that. I think that he's he's only had one game under what 85 points or something like that all season. And one game under 89 and it was last week. So yeah. what's the chances that we get another one? Hey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I've definitely got the skipper on Hines. I think if you didn't have Hines, then you could have a punt on a guy like Turbo who 
you know, he got 80 odd points without doing a thing last week, which was pretty interesting. Um, other than that, uh, I wouldn't be chucking captaincies on anyone like Garrick or whatever, but uh, in terms of Heinz and Turbo, I reckon they actually both crack 100 this week. Oh, big call. Well, Heinz has thrown 130 on the on the Manly Seagulls previously. So I'm kind of hoping for that range. I think that he's got 130 in him this week and he can match that, uh, that top score. I think Ronnie will be up there too, actually, because um, going on that left edge, uh, running at um, Morgan Harper and um, Jason Saab, I, yeah, I feel like Ronnie could do some damage. This is the Sifa Talakai versus Harper rematch. It is, and it, it's, it's almost a shame that it's a, a late game because I think there'd be some Sifra owners that would be having dreams of his 165 going, oh, Morgan yeah, Harper's 100%. there again, he's back. <laughs> he can really destroy his career in back-to-back years. If it was early, you could have a VC on him. But, yeah, <laughs> it's a late game, which works out well for Hines that it's the final game. Dr. Kando, yeah. that is the podcast. We are done. It was a great one. I really appreciate you coming on board. Love chatting to you for Supercoach and Footy. So thanks very much. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Always a good time to come and chat. And yeah, it was good to make my Supercoach debut this week. Thank you very much, Kate Anderson. He is in everything now. You can even see him with Sangster on the, the official live show, admin for the Podmasters, also the Supercoach Hub. He is on a lot of different groups and he's fantastic with Supercoach. Has been on the Talk Footy before on the Talk and Footy podcast. Now we've done a Supercoach one and he'll be back again, no doubt. For everyone that wants to listen, download or subscribe, you can get us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon, everywhere, on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Jump on our new partner, Picklebet, picklebet.com. Fantastic odds. Use referral code when you show, when you sign up of all stars or one word. They'll take great care of you. Enjoy the footy this week. Talk and footy podcast dropping in the next 24 to 48 hours and a great round of footy from round 11. Can't wait to talk about it all once again next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get 